All right, we can go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, so this week, in preparation, we were to read Jeremiah chapter 1, and um, the way that I asked you guys to read it this week was with two questions in mind, and the first one is, how do I see Christ in this uh, set of scripture? And the next uh, question was, how does this lead me to see God more clearly and love God more dearly? And that's our goal is to not just gain head knowledge of scripture, though that is excellent. Um, it's not to just gain more head knowledge in order to be right and uh, to seem more intelligent. It's to see scriptures truly affect our hearts and lives. So that's the way we approach this, and that's the reason why um, Kelby and I decided to call this particular uh, class Scripture in Life, because we want to see the Scripture impacting our lives. Um, so in starting to go through these verses, I wanted to hit really some important points. Like I said, I hope you read it. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to hit some individual points and look at some individual things. Uh, I wanted to start uh, with what I thought was a pretty important piece of the context of looking at um, the entire book of Jeremiah, and that's looking at what point in history this begins. And so and to do that, I want to start with um, verse 2 of the chapter. It says, To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. So, uh, during the reign of King Josiah, the book of God's law was rediscovered. It had been lost. So, as you read through, like as you're doing your Bible reading plan, there's a point, and, and you can really see the, the, the nosedive uh, of the culture and the society. There's a point where the law was lost in some way. So I want to turn to uh, 2 Kings 22, and I want to read you that point of time, just so you can kind of get an idea of the context of, you know, where we're kind of starting here. It says, I'm going to start in verse 8. Then Helkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought back word to the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have discovered it, have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. So he's like, okay, so we did this. This is the one thing you asked. Then he says, moreover, Shaphan the scribe <coughs> told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. 
For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us, because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So, God was in the midst in this, at this point in time of beginning to reform his people and turn them back towards him, turn them back towards his word. Um, Stephen Smith describes it this way. It says, the Bible describes a call to salvation. God calls us out to be saved. You have to come to grips with the reality of your own salvation. Once we come to Christ, there is a call to holiness. God has never called someone to ride the bench. There is a specific call to live a holy life, which means we are called to do specific things. Husbands are called to lead their families and be willing to die for their wives. Wives are called to respond to the leadership and manage their homes well. If you are single, you're called to, be, to purity and a life devoted to the gospel. If you're a child, you're called to obey your parents. We are called to live in harmony with one another. We're called to be good citizens of our country while we wait for the true kingdom. These are specific calls that express what it means to live a holy life. And we're going to go more in depth on that point, but as we can see, what we're seeing here is a call. We see kind of an overarching theme of a call. At this point uh, in history, in the, in the reign of King Josiah, God is going to begin to call his people back to himself because they've rediscovered the law. Now, let's go down to verses 5 and 6. These are the verses that we all know probably from chapter 1. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. So, this is probably the most popular, right? Um, a lot of times verses like these are taken out of context to uh, make people think things about themselves. But here we see God's call to Jeremiah, and he's telling him certain things. But now... Just because this is a call to Jeremiah doesn't mean we can't learn things about how God works for us and how God does things for us as well because um, God is very clear about how he works in his word. Um, notice the nature of this call in, in verse 5 because Jeremiah is called and the call is given based on the words that are used. Listen to these three specific verbs that are used here. New, consecrated, appointed. Now notice that. Notice all three verbs. New, consecrated, appointed. All three verbs are past tense verbs. Implying that before Jeremiah's birth, God had already sovereignly ordained the call that he was going to give Jeremiah. He says, I knew you. I consecrated you. I have appointed you. Now, Jeremiah is just a young guy still. But God says all these things because he has ordained the call sovereignly. which means that there was nothing in Jeremiah already that influenced God to pick him. 
In verse 6, though, we see Jeremiah's reaction to the call. And Jeremiah's reaction to the call was a form of objection. Alas, Lord God, I don't know how to speak because I'm a youth. You see, God knew already what his reaction would be, had it in mind in his plan for a very specific reason, I think, because God wanted Jeremiah to experience on-the-job training. It wasn't about what Jeremiah already knew and now go tell him. It's like, I'm sending you. And later we'll see on into Jeremiah that there's a point where Jeremiah says, I can't stop saying these things. I believe he said it was fire shut up in his bones, right? Is that, is that Jeremiah? But he couldn't stop doing what he was commanded because God had planned this perfectly in the way that it needed to be done. Now, in verses 7 through 10, we can see God's re response to Jeremiah's objections. It says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched, his touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have spoken, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So, in this, we see a response from God to Jeremiah's objection. Um, and honestly, I would say, at many points in my life, I feel like I've rejected because of all of my excuses, as, as, as Jeremiah did. But God responds. Listen to how he responds. Very good. It says, God commands. In verse 7, what did he say to him? He said, do not say, I am a youth. You see, because he, like we said, he doesn't ask about Jeremiah's ability. He doesn't say, hey, Jeremiah, if you feel good enough to do this, do you think you could be my prophet? No, he says, I, had, I, I knew you before you were born. I appointed you and I consecrated you. It's you. You're going to do it. He didn't ask for Jeremiah's opinion about those things. Jeremiah is called based on God's choice. And the call is not based on anything in Jeremiah, but God will equip him. God will give him the words to speak. He says, all that I command you, you shall speak. So, in response to the objection, first, God commands. Secondly, God cares. In verse 8, he says, do not be afraid of them. Because if we look at it, if we're honest... The, probably the underlying reason for Jeremiah's objection, I'm a youth. Well, he's fixing to be speaking to a lot of not youth, right? And he's probably afraid that he's going to be, he's going to be like, they're not going to listen to him. Or they're going to think he's just some kid who needs to shut his mouth and sit down, right? 
So God gives Jeremiah comfort in spite of his feelings of inadequacy in that, in that way because God is with him. He says, I'm able to deliver you out of any situation. So G Jeremiah does not need to look to himself for the strength and the courage to not be afraid, right? He needs, he needs to lean upon God. Um, a quote Stephen Smith said in, a, in the commentary on this, he said, Courage is not an act of character, it is an act of faith. True courage comes from our belief that God is able to deliver us, not necessarily that I'm good enough to do something. And I think that is an important point in looking at Jeremiah. And I think we'll see that even more later in the chapter and later on in the book as well. So God commands him, God cares, and then God commissions. In verses 9 and 10, he, said, he, he, he stretched out his hand and he touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, I put my words in your mouth. God puts his words in Jeremiah's mouth. And that's very much like today. With one major difference. We have the full and complete prophetic witness contained in Scripture. The uh, modern prophet is not the caricature, caricature you see of the TBN prophet who's looking at the TV and says, somebody's got a hurting leg out there, and if you'll just sign that check, God is going to heal you. That's a caricature. That's a charlatan. The only prophecy that exists today is God's word read and represented in pulpits by faithful preachers. That's the only prophecy you see today. So, notice also, within this prophetic idea, he says, I put my words in your mouth, and he says, I appointed you to do some specific things. And notice the specific commissions. Sounds like a lot of fun. Pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow. And then he says, build, plant. Notice, contained within that commission, God's very clear that whatever I must break down, I will restore. And what I see here, and I hope that you see it too, along with me, is a beautiful picture that points us to a suffering Savior. He was broken down. He, was, he took our sins upon himself. And he rose again. And now he is restoring people to life and saving them. Verses 11 through 9, they, they, there are a few points that I kind of want to point out. Uh, listen to 11 and 12. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. God's word says that he will perform all that he says in his word. How? Well, God is watching over it, and I think we would say today, he accomplished his word most clearly to our eyes in his church. 
You see, the world wants suggestions and thoughts, but not directives. In this church, we're given God's commands for us. We begin with a command to repent and believe the gospel, to trust in Christ. We're then discipled, and we begin to learn the call that God has for all of us, a life seeking holiness based on what he has told us in Scripture. The prediction of what to come is also very clearly presented here in this last section. Uh, Disaster's coming. It's coming. In verses 13 through 16, you see that. It's coming. Even though, even though King Josiah is attempting reform at points in this, in this, in this book, and now there's other kings whose reigns are recorded in this book as well, but we, we start with King Josiah. Even though King Josiah is attempting reform, God will use foreign nations to bring discipline on Israel. The Babylonians are coming. So now, we come to an application point to the, the application point of this text, and this is where we all hopefully take uh, some points of knowledge and context and see God work in our hearts to reform and conform us to Christ's image. So, in the practical application of it, I start with a thought based on uh, really kind of based on if you've been in a youth group in a charismatic church or um, you've asked yourself this question a million times. <laughs> Am I called to do something? Am I called? Because, you see, when we were taught in uh, in youth group, it's an ordinary life is not good. You know, you, you've, got to, you've got to go to the nations. You've got to sing on stage in front of thousands. You've got to do all these things. You've got to preach, and hundreds of people have to be saved. And that's how we felt because that's what we were taught, that you had to be doing those extraordinary things for your life to mean something. And so we would ask ourselves all the time, am I called to do this? Am I called to do this? Am I called to do this? And it's really a rough place to be, honestly. But in the question, to answer the question, am I called, I think based on what we see in Jeremiah and in the, in the testimony of Scripture, I think we're all called. We are all called. And there's two parts of the call that I want to look at, and that's the general call and the specific call. The general call, we are all called in some way, if we're in Christ, we who are in Christ are first called by Christ to salvation. He saves us, right? We're called in that way. That's how we're saved. And if we're His, He continues to call us to things. He calls men to be men, to be fathers, be husbands to lead our families, to lead them to him. to uh, He calls women to, to be women and to not take your cues from popular culture, but to, but to take your cues from God and what God, does, God describes as a godly woman. He calls students and children to be respectful to elders and their parents. And us teachers wish everybody knew that, to obey their parents, to grow in the knowledge 
of God based on what their parents are teaching them. These things are in his word. So he is calling. He is definitely calling us. Now, we can speak to the culture, for sure. But more and more I see that the way we're trying to speak to the culture is to take their argument and try and turn it on them. When the way that we need to speak to this culture is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to speak to the culture with the gospel. Mothers and fathers are to be the prophets of their home, sharing the word in their home. That's how that works. So if we look at the general call, yes, we're all called. But then we can look at the specific call. Now, for some, there is the specific call to ministry. Now, I've heard so many different stories from so many different types of um, ministers or people who call themselves ministers and say these things, that they're called to do this, called to do that. And I hear so many different stories about how it happened or what happened or, you know. Uh, but here's the thing. The important thing is not how the call comes. Because I'm going to tell you, Today, God, I, I, would, I would be, I think I can honestly say, God is not hollering, saying to us in our beds, I knew you before I formed you in the womb, you're going to do this, 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 and this. That's not really how it's working. So the important thing is not how the call comes. The important thing is obedience to it. Jeremiah was obedient to the call even though he originally had some objections to it. And as somebody who does have the specific call to be an elder in a church and to preach and teach the gospel and to sing and, and play music, um, there have been many times in my life when I was not obedient to the call. But the, the thing is, whatever the reason, it mostly was not determined by the fact that I was looking to God, the one calling me. Most of the time, the reason I was disobedient to the call is because I was looking to myself and my abilities. In whatever God is calling us, we must be obedient. We must be quick to obey his word. That's something that I've added to my prayers um, that I pray before I read the Bible because I want to be obedient to what he calls. I say, God, just please let me be quick to obey anything that you command me to do in your word today. So may we all be quick to obey. So in saying all that, God has laid a, a huge call on Jeremiah. We know that he's given us a general call to do these different things in our lives. And to some of us, maybe a specific call to do some things. What's his promise in that? What's his promise to Jeremiah in this call that he gives? And we look at verse 19. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He does not say, Jeremiah, I'm calling you, and it's going to be easy, and they're going to love you. Because guess what? They're not. They're going to fight against you tooth and nail. And he tells him, 
They're going to fight against you, Jeremiah. Be prepared. But the promise is, but they will not overcome you. For I am with you to deliver you. Because God is watching over his word to make sure that it does what he says it is going to do. In your life, God is with us. He's with us. The promise of Christ was, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. These things, these promises, he is with us. He said, in this life, you will experience tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He is with us. He will deliver us. And, and even though it may seem difficult, we have him with us. We can be faithful to that call. Amen. Brother Dale, do you mind just praying?